Hey folks, back with another episode of Trades Talk. I'm here with my co-host Maggie Wymore, and today we interview Greg Weitzman. Maggie, what were some of your takeaways from Greg's interview? Yeah, I think our conversation with Greg was fantastic. He is an EOS implementer who has implemented a lot of different companies through the trades. And some of my favorite nuggets that he pulled out, I think this was one episode compared to others where you really had some tangible takeaways that you could start implementing in your business right now. Things like how to define your leadership team, how to break out big projects versus the little to-dos you need to do on a regular basis. Where to start is through what he talks about and with his vision traction organizer. And I know that's something you've used in the past, Justin. So what were your thoughts? Yeah, it's a great episode. I think you can look at this episode as kind of a working episode where you could use this episode to build your business plan. I would recommend taking a quick peek at the show notes, potentially visiting Greg's website and downloading a few of the EOS tools like the VTO. And we're going to go in a bunch of tools in this podcast about what he uses and what he recommends his team or his clients use. So overall, I think you can look at this as a way to take yourself to the next level in 2024. Here we are at the beginning of 24, ready to ramp up and grow. And this is just going to deliver a ton of insight, motivation, and inspiration to get on that growth path that you and your company want to be on. Yeah. I think he is very raw too. And when he explains on as an implementer, when things don't work out well and why they don't work out well. And so for me as a partner, someone who implements software at a company, it was very interesting to hear some of the struggles that he faces around mindset and making that shift and almost taking that psychology look at implementing a new tool. We face those those same difficulties during our transition. So great episode. I think everyone should be using EOS if they want to grow their business or improve their business. I'm excited to look at Greg as a potential partner. And yeah, I think that we should dive into this. But before we do, I just want to remind everyone, don't forget to rate, subscribe, comment, and let us know how we're doing. Um, Again, Justin and I just do this out of our pockets for fun because we think uh, our message is important. So don't forget to give us some feedback and we'll keep getting better. But That's should we it, get in with Greg? Let's go. Let's get in with Greg. All right. Today we are here with Greg Weitzman. And Greg, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah. Good afternoon, Maggie and Justin. It's great to be with you. Well, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of insight to who Greg is, both as an implementer at EOS Worldwide and as a principal and CEO of Flexibility? Yeah, absolutely. I started my life's pursuit trying to be a musician. Went to school for piano, thought I was going to write music for movies, video games, you name it, but pretty quickly realized that it's a hard life if you're not willing to give it eight hours a day, every single day, and I just, there's just too much other stuff I enjoy. So naturally, I went into banking and finance, of course, a natural transition from music <laughs> into that, but went and was a business banker, commercial banker for 12 years, tried my hand at some entrepreneurial ventures within companies after I decided that banking just was not it for me before founding my own company, Flexibility, used EOS tools at my own company and at one of the leadership teams that I was serving on after I I got out of banking. So used EOS for some time and really fell in love with those tools and jumped into being an implementer about two years ago while I still run my other company, Flexibility. Outside of that, just musician, still trying to play when I can, traveling, scuba diving, and wrestling coach. So I've been a wrestling coach for a decade working with uh, high school teams here locally in the Walnut Creek area. That's awesome. That's My husband's a high school wrestling coach. So nice. I'm right in the thick of the season and understanding <laughs> the demands of a full day Saturday tournament. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. A decade. This is my first year. I just got married in June and my wife looked at me and she goes, I got one condition for you. We've got to have one year where you're not coaching. We can just enjoy being being married and traveling and doing stuff because I will get back to it. But yeah, right now I, I would not be here. I would be at practice or coaching a tournament or something for 30 hours a week. So I, yeah. I empathize with you. That's a lot of patience, I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you. He loves it. So Well, that's interesting, probably not the most interesting thing on that resume. And the reason we're here today 
specifically the Sataki OS. And I know myself at Aspire and Justin at KD both use EOS to help run our businesses. So for our listeners who have never heard of EOS, why don't you give a very high level breakdown of what it is? Absolutely. EOS is a set of tools and disciplines. It's created by Gina Wickman, this book, Traction. And he began putting together a set of tools and disciplines to help entrepreneurs get anything they want from their business. And so what I do as an implementer is to help companies who want to clarify their vision, execute with more discipline and accountability, improve their team health by focusing on strengthening six key components of your business. If you think about it, Every day, you have 100 different things that are coming at you, 200 different things. But if you really boil down those problems, those issues to what's at their root, it's really just something going on in one of six areas of your business, which is traction, people, data, issues, process, or traction. And so I help companies with tools that address each of those areas so that they can get anything they want. Nice. And... I think EOS is just an overall buzz term in business. We've heard a lot more in the last probably four or five years. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I'm self-implementing or I'm hiring an implementor or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. There seems to be a lot of different ways of approaching this idea of EOS, this Mm -hmm. methodology of running your business. So Greg, your position at EOS, you are basically a, a implementer, you're a freelance How would you describe your relationship with EOS Worldwide and and really what do you do for your clients? Absolutely. So EOS Worldwide is the franchisor. I am a franchisee. Any implementer in the community is a franchisee of EOS Worldwide. And so when I work with clients, it's just an engagement between them and myself. And I act as their coach, their teacher, and their facilitator. I'm there to help teach them the set of tools to help their leadership team reach mastery. I'm there to facilitate those meetings to help the teams get out of their own way. And really, I say 90% of the time, the answer is in the room. And so I help them get out of their own way to figure things out. And then lastly, I'm a coach. So I get to help the leadership teams of these companies see things that maybe they're not seeing because they're too close to it. They're in the game and I'm on the sideline looking in from the outside and I'm able to call stuff out and help them course correct, maybe address some of the team dynamics that they don't even recognize are happening. So I'm franchisee of EOS Worldwide. I come to an agreement with my clients and I work with them to implement these tools and they stay with me in a rhythm until they basically decide, hey, we've got it. Greg, thank you so much. Or they keep on going with me facilitating their quarterly and annual meetings until as long as they like. Nice. Yeah, yeah. we've had experience in the same realm. We started out 2015 when we started our growth journey at KD with the scale up methodology mm-hmm. and Vern Harnish, which is kind of like predates EOS. And then EOS, we onboarded in 2018, which we found to be, you know, I don't want to say it's a simple running your, your business, but it's it was simpler than the burn harness scale up methodology. And the VTO, the way the vision traction organizer lays out the CEO's vision and the leadership's vision for the company, I found that to be one of the best tools I've ever found in business. And whenever someone asked me about what's a business plan, what does that look like? I reference the VTO. Mm-hmm. Now, Greg, what's your take on the VTO and, and how people have used that? Yeah, the Vision Traction Organizer. It's a simple two-page document. The first page is higher level vision for the organization. The second page is really how do we bring that vision to life? So for those who aren't familiar, it's eight questions. It starts with what are your core values? What's your core focus? Your 10-year target, that long range, you say BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal for the company. Your marketing strategy, three-year picture. And on the second page, it's Okay, so then in the next year, what do we have to do? The next 90 days, what do we have to do? And what's on the issues list? So what's some of the stuff that's in the way that we have to solve really to reach where we want to? I love the VTO. I tell folks all the time, it's a really simplified strategic plan, but it crystallizes where you're going and how you want to get there. And so the first two disciplines that we talk about with respect to the vision component, is really answering those eight questions as a leadership team and getting aligned completely. Because a lot of times it just lives in the head of the owner. They know, maybe they have an idea, but their whole leadership team 
does not understand or maybe doesn't share it. The second discipline is you want the whole company to know it, to want to be part of it, and to understand their role in it. A Harris poll talks about half of the people don't understand that work for companies, this poll found, 50% don't understand how their job actually ties to the vision of the company. They don't get it. And so the better a team can do that, the better your results. One of the things I've noticed with owners, CEOs, they are the visionaries, right? So they have this vision that they see in their own mind but they don't always have the best way of communicating that vision. Mm -hmm. Would you say EOS helps them to communicate that vision? And what tools do you guys have in place that do that? Yeah, I think one, working as with the leadership team to answer those eight questions and get alignment really helps the vision to be clear, to be consistent, to crystallize it, right? What I do as an implementer is work with the teams to answer and work through that vision traction organizer. And then the next discipline we talk about is called shared by all. And really what I mean by that is, do you as a leadership team have a quarterly state of the company, something where every 90 days you're talking about three things, where you've been, where you are, and where you're going and sharing how you do as a leadership team. What was your, I'm going to use an EOS term, what was your rock completion? What were some of the big goals that you were trying to get done in the last 90 days? But getting in that rhythm starts to connect everybody back to that vision. And as long as every quarter as a leadership team, you're aligning around it, are we confirming it and sharing it with everybody? It's amazing what starts to happen as folks all of a sudden realize where the company's going and also maybe what the leadership team does on a daily basis, because sometimes folks don't know. They have no idea. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to explain the vision and the VTO. And so just kind of backing up to summarize, because I know we're moving probably pretty quick for folks who haven't listened or heard about EOS before. But basically, the VTO, what I'm understanding, and, and from my experience, we're going to summarize the next three-year picture. We also have a 10-year target out there, a BHAG. And then we break that down into one-year goals, quarterly mm -hmm. goals, that everyone in the entire company can get aligned around. Is that really the high level purpose of the VTO? Yeah, especially as with respect to how you think about kind of the 10 year target, three year picture, one year plan. The three year picture is all about visualizing and really painting a picture of what this organization needs to look like three short yeah. years from now. Love right? the painting a picture. Yep. Because you got to, if anyone's been a coach, even of sports teams, you, there's something about visualizing. You have to be able to visualize it because it does two things. One, it, the likelihood of it happening increases dramatically. And then two, it sets us up for really effective one-year planning. So the document is really geared towards that, but there's another element, which is I think equally, if not more important, which is one, the core values piece, really understanding who we are as a company and not just in a aspirational, oh, these words are just words on a piece of paper. It's who we wish we were. This is about how you would hire, fire, reward, recognize, and promote your people, what behaviors you expect from everyone that works there. And it's about have utility in those values. Your core focus is about who do you know? What can you be best in the world at? What is your core focus so that you say no to stuff that's a distraction? You can stay squarely focusing on the right opportunities because you're much more likely to get in trouble as a company chasing all the shiny stuff than you are just really focusing on what you can be best at. So the VTO also serves that purpose of clarifying, defining those elements, because those show up in ways that maybe aren't as in your face and measurable as a number, but affect the day-to-day -day of a business. Absolutely. Yeah. We had a guest on not too long ago, and he talked about how he redefined and rebranded his business to market internally versus marketing externally. So he's marketing to his employees and fostering that culture and creating that culture. And I know here at Aspire, our core values are what we live day in and day out. I mean, they're literally everywhere. They start every single meeting. Everyone knows them. Mm -hmm. And I think this new wave of defining great core values, not only that you strive for, but also that pre-exist in the employees that you already employ and your leaders and your the foundations of the company, that is what is fostering growth. And yeah. a, honestly, in a pretty bad economy right now is fostering growth. Is the companies that are succeeding are the ones that are looking inwards and hiring and retaining great people. Yeah, it's 
Patrick Lencioni talks about the three values traps that companies fall into when they think about core values. Aspirational core values, which is, this is who we wish we were, right? It's like a law firm describing, oh, you know, we prioritize fun. And then they go out and they hire somebody who's really fun. And all of a sudden they're like, this is not it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's who you maybe aspire to be. There's permission to play, which is, this is basically non-differentiating cookie cutter values that the kind of table stakes. Some companies go, we have integrity. Unless it's very clear what, why is that different? It's like, I hope so. I wouldn't want to do business with you if you didn't have integrity, but So it's their values that you put out because you think the world wants to see that in you. And then the last one's accidental. Big companies, different departments might spin up their own unspoken values without intention, and that can happen. So maybe the marketing department's got its own set of behaviors versus the sales department versus your ops team. So when we set values, we really got to be thoughtful about those three things so that we set real, meaningful, useful values that can all live consistently. Greg, if someone's not happy with their core values, or maybe they they put them in a few years ago because they just felt like they needed them and they're mostly aspirational, mm-hmm. they've realized their company's really made of different core values than what's on the wall. What would be your recommendation for a CEO feeling like maybe they have these core values that they're not really fitting the company or organization? Yeah. If these are values that you feel maybe are not true to who the behaviors that you expect from all your people... I go back to a couple tests. You can always go through a discovery exercise to do some work and really evaluate them. But a couple things that I always do quickly and my, kind of my gut check on it is, am I willing to hire, fire, reward, recognize, or promote people based on it, right? So look at the first value. And I go, I would not just for any, not just for a specific role or position, right? But for anybody. So someone who works front desk versus your VP of sales, would I hold them accountable just like I would anybody else. And if I'm not willing to do one of those five things with this value, it's probably not a core value to me. So that's my first gut check. And my second is to go through, we've got a great tool in EOS called the People Analyzer. Yeah. Yep. Basically have, it's just a chart. On one side are people, on the top are your core values. And you go through and think about with every person, folks can kind of do it for different people. You can do it for your team. Look at the values and assign people a plus minus or a minus for every value. A plus means they consistently display the behavior. Not perfect, because nobody's going to be perfect necessarily. It's not what we strive for at all in EOS. It's about, you know, doing doing things consistently. Give them a plus. If it's hit or miss, 50-50, give them a plus minus. And if it's consistently not present, it's a minus. And you're going to have a bar for the company. If -hmm. someone is, and generally that bar is, if you've got five values, it's three of them have to be plus and two of them are plus minus. We look at that. And if you look at most of the people on your team or department and they're not meeting the bar or you don't see that it's consistent, that's a flag right there. Because that means your value is not something that's commonly held across your company. It's probably not a true core value. So okay. two tools I could suggest folks use. I think that's really good. I think that gives people a non-objective way to, to kind of go through and, and measure their team and also measuring themselves as leaders, because there may be core values that just don't fit some or all your team. And it's a disservice to have it on the wall. Yeah. So I want to go back real quick to, let's call them quarterly company announcements. Every mm-hmm. quarter it's getting together with I would say all of your employees and all hands meeting, but at least your management team and talking about vision, where you've been, where you are and where you're going. So Greg, if someone's not doing this today, this episode's going to air probably in January, beginning mm-hmm. of 24, what would be just a good way for them to kick off the new year in a terms of a quarterly planning session or a quarterly announcement? Yeah. I love that format, where you've been, where you are, where you're going. So first step, reflect on the prior year, reflect on your prior quarter, look at your biggest objectives as a leadership team. How well did we do? Were these the right objectives or did we doing a good job as predictors? One of the five leadership skills we talk about in EOS, the life five leadership abilities is the ability of prediction. We predict every day as leaders and reflecting back, it's an opportunity to say, did we predict well this year what our priorities would be? 
what obstacles would come our way, and what do we have to reflect and do differently this coming year? So a period of reflection, then where we are. Let's talk about the current state of the business in what do we have to think about for this year ahead, all the projections that we're making, and then where are we going? We've got to get into the rhythm of setting new goals, new priorities, rocks, and make sure they're tied back to some of our longer-term objectives. When I say rock, a rock to me is a 90-day goal or objective that a, a leadership team or a member of that leadership team is trying to accomplish. And it's really important when we goal set to only set three to seven. You can't have 23 priorities because then that defeats the definition of the word. It's not, nothing's yeah. a priority, right? So three to seven. So advice I give folks who are trying to do this as a leadership team or get into the habit of it, reflect where you've been, what's working, what's not working, where you're at, and then set new goals and objectives for the year and for the quarter ahead in the next 90 days. What do we have to do to get us on the path towards that year goal? Aside from that, you know, it's an opportunity to think about your people and the other parts of your business that you may want to highlight, recognize, and celebrate. So this is a great time to be thinking about it. Yeah. Great timing. One of the terms you mentioned, which I wanted to get into a little bit of the terms, because for those who don't know EOS, you haven't been introduced to all the, the great terms that there are, was the word rocks and yeah. kind of interchangeably with goals. And when I was first introduced to the whole EOS methodology, I saw this 90.io and on it, you see to-dos, you see issues and you see rocks. And for someone who has never really been trained on this, you could really think that those three things could be interchangeable or the same thing. Give our listeners a little bit of understanding on how to distinguish between a to-do, an issue, and a rock. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of these terms. In EOS language, when we think of, has anyone, have you either of you seen there's a video, I think Stephen Covey also talks about it. There's a professor and he's got a jar. There's rocks, there's pebbles, and there's sand. Yeah, we played that for our team <laughs> probably five years ago. Yep. Yeah, so the idea of rocks comes from that. And if you imagine for a second, your life is this jar. Maybe it's all the time you have at work. Maybe it's your personal life. You can apply it in a number of ways. Well, I want to fill this jar and I've got rocks, pebbles, and sand. So I go ahead and I start with the sand and I pour the sand in the jar and then I put the pebbles in and they sit on top of the sand. And then I go to put my rocks in and my rocks are spilling out over the top. They don't fit. But if now I go back and I put the rocks in the jar and then I put the pebbles in, the pebbles fill in all the space between the rocks and the sand fills in everything else. Everything fits in that jar. The difference was, is I started with my rocks and our lives are no different our priorities, what we really need to put effort in. If we schedule those, if we put focus there, because EOS in a nutshell is about focusing human energy. It's about removing all the excess to simplify and just get really down to what's the most important stuff. Because if we start there, the rest fits. But if we let all the distractions, the sand, the little fires, all the other stuff get in the way, our biggest priorities won't get done. And I see that a lot with clients is they are so caught up, they feel out of control because the business is pulling them a hundred directions and there's all these little things. They can't focus on their priorities and so they never feel like they're getting any. And so the rocks concept is every 90 days, having us very clear what are the most important things for us as a leadership team and as individuals, because if we focus there, all the other stuff will fit. So that's a rock. Now, issues and to-dos come out of another concept in EOS called a level 10 meeting. So this is a specific agenda that I prescribe to all the leadership teams I work with. And I always say it always starts with the leadership team. So in EOS, my work always begins with the leadership team because if leadership team gets it, so goes the rest of the company. And this is a very specific agenda that consists of 90 minutes, same time, same day every week, really, really firm on that and consistent with it. And in that agenda, there are very specific points where we check in on our scorecard and our metrics. We check in on our rocks, but then we also look at to-dos. A to-do in EOS is basically an action or something that we need to get done that has a window of about seven days. So this week, I have to do something, and usually it's tied to our priorities or something that's important. 
but it's something you're going to do in about seven days. An issue, which in the L10 structure, there's a section and the bulk of the meeting is built around issue solving. And IDS is the term we use for that, identify, discuss, and solve. So the level 10 meeting, we work through it. We check in on all our priorities. We talk about our to-dos, those short actions from the prior week. Did they get done? Yes or no? What got in the way? And then we spend the bulk of this 90-minute meeting, two-thirds of it, an hour, issue solving. An issue in EOS, it just means topic because it doesn't always mean problem. It can be, hey, we our client said we did a phenomenal job executing this contract. How do we learn? What did we learn from it? How do we replicate that? Did we follow our process? Do we need to tweak our process? An issue is just synonymous for topic, but an issue can be anything that requires really the cumulative brain power of the leadership team or the department that's holding the level 10 meeting to talk about the issue, first identifying what the root of that issue is. So what's really going on here? I give the example, property management company has this elevator getting lots of complaints and they're going to spend half a million dollars to replace the elevator, do some fixes. Someone stops and says, wait, before we do that, people say it's moving slow. Let's look at some data. They go look at the elevator and it's doing the same number of trip and the same number of floors as all the other ones, but only one getting complaints. So they decide to install a mirror and music and complaints drop 90%. The issue was perception of wait time, not the speed of the elevator. That to me is the bulk of what the purpose is, is what is the problem that we're dealing with? Because if we can't identify it, it doesn't matter what our solve is. Our solve is not actually going to fix the problem, just a symptom of it. So identify, discuss, add context to the issue, and then solve, how do we make it go away forever? So an issue is a topic. IDS is the methodology we use to problem solve. A to-do is an action in the next seven days that typically makes that problem go away or at least gets us a step closer. And a rock is a goal or priority over the next 90 days. Nice, Greg. Appreciate that recap too. You know, I think even if you are and have been running on EOS like we have for five plus years, we still have to be reminded to stick to the basics and stick to the fundamentals because it's super easy. I'm just thinking as you're talking, I'm like, man, I don't think we have any to-dos on our list. And I don't think we've had any for like three or four weeks. And that's quarterly planning sessions and all this other stuff we're kind of going on into the year. I know there are things being done, right? We are working, we are busy, but sometimes you fall out of that rhythm of IDS. You fall out of that rhythm of capturing the to-dos during the meeting. You get distracted with the hot button fire. Mm-hmm. So you see, I'm just, you mentioned perspective and perception, I think it's important to differentiate. The difference of perception is the perception of our reality. Mm -hmm. No one else can see what we perceive, but perspective is something that can be learned, shared, and discussed within a team. Mm -hmm. So kind of say that to recap what you said, but I also say that to say, where are people getting stuck? Mm -hmm. What are the common sticking points that you see in companies, whether it's their first year or their fifth year, when they're running on EOS, where do we fall off the wagon? Yeah. So let's distinguish a couple things. There are companies who say, hey, look, this is really exciting. We want to implement. And you can implement with someone like me, who's your coach, a professional implementer, or companies can do it themselves. There's many companies who choose to self-implement the entrepreneurial operating system or EOS. I think it's different because companies get stuck different ways. The first is that EOS It's a mental commitment to thinking about your business in a new way, the way you run your business. So where some companies get stuck is they're not ready to make a change. And when things start to feel a little bit sticky or uncomfortable, they go back to what's comfortable. And so they're not willing to, I call it the student mindset. People are going to start this and they're not going to be good at it at first. It's It's not going to feel good because we're doing something new. We're running our business in a different way. We're thinking about it differently. And so some companies, if they're not prepared for that, as soon as things start to feel a little bit rocky, they turn back to what they know, they get lax on the meetings, on the structure, and then it all starts to crumble. So that's one thing. Yeah. Another area where folks get stuck is that I always say it's bumpy in the beginning and messy in the middle. EOS, when you've begins to strengthen your vision, your people, and your data components, those six key components, you strengthen those three. 
all of the issues, problems, your business becomes transparent. You start to see all this stuff. The problem is it doesn't feel good. All of a sudden you're seeing all these problems and you're like, is this working for us? But it's intentional. The system's designed to lift all it up, make your business transparent so you can fix it. So you can make meaningful change. But come, if you're not prepared for that, it can not, the leadership team can be looking going, this does not feel good to us because that's what the system's designed to do. It's supposed to lift all these problems so you can yep. fix them. That's great. And I think I've felt ourselves get stuck in some of those areas over the years. And we mentioned leadership team a lot. And one thing going into this podcast, I wanted to keep top of mind is to not too far down a conversation without defining what we're talking about. I think people define leadership teams in a lot of different ways, especially as you get into the smaller companies. It's like, for us, at one point, leadership team was all the employees in our company because we had 15 employees. Yeah, And that's just what it was at one point. And today, right, it's seven of the key leaders of the 130 people that make up of K&D. Greg, and then Maggie, I'd love to get your take on this too. But Greg, what is your definition of a leadership team in the EOS methodology? Yeah. And then Maggie, what does your leadership team look like from a sales perspective at Aspire? Yeah. So when I go to work with a company, I always say, hey, we always start in EOS with the leadership team. And that's because I really want the leadership team to get this down, to master it. I want to foster independence. So I, I coach the leadership team, get them to master the tools. And then we can think about rollout to everybody else. Because if the leadership team doesn't get it, it's not going anywhere. So when I say leadership team, and if folks ask me that, they'll say, okay, Greg, that sounds great. But who should be in the room when we say leadership team? It's the folks that, who are the folks that you would want in the room to make the most important decisions for the business? the closest group. And I always say, start small. It's easy to add people. It's really difficult to get into the rhythm and then say, Hey, you know what, actually we don't want you to, don't want you in the room. <laughs> That's a tough forward. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say folks that you want for those most important discussions that give you a broad view of the business and that you really need in there to make decisions. If you don't need them there to make decisions, they may not be important to have on the leadership team. So I just say always, and start small. Yeah, I agree. One of the questions that I wanted to focus on actually die, ties into this very well. And I think it has to do with running multiple level 10 meetings throughout your organization that practices EOS. We have a executive leadership team at Aspire. We, beyond that, you know, there's a board of directors for Service Titan, our parent company, and then within Aspire, we have our sales leadership team, our client success leadership team. So there's multiple different levels and layers on each team. But one thing that I wanted to point out, I actually had an all-day planning session with my sales leadership team last week. And I think that one very important message that our head of sales said to us is like, I want there to be healthy conflict in this room. And when you're defining your leadership team, if you just pull people in to make decisions because they're going to agree with everything that you're going to say, you're not going to take your business forward. Yeah. It's going to slow down your growth and you need people who are going to be your devil's advocate. Now, you don't want people going in there and being disrespectful, but having that healthy discussion and conflict is what moves a business forward. Do you have any comments on that? You're shaking your head. So, Oh, yeah. A whole lot. I mean, it's the point of the level 10, the point of these meetings is to have healthy conflict. If folks are not willing to speak up, and I always say, if you think it, say it, this is the place to do it, to have that healthy conflict so that you can get ultimately further up the, the five dysfunctions of a team pyramid, get to results, right? So absolutely, you need conflict in the room and people see conflict as a bad thing. It's not. Conflict in the absence of trust is a bad thing. You need trust to have healthy conflict. And if you can do that, there was a great quote that we were talking about it at a quarterly meeting, but it's commitment, commitment without trust. It's not commitment. It's is another C word, but it basically yeah. means, that, yeah, it's not commitment. If you don't have trust when you make commitment or make decisions, people are just following along. It's not what you think it is. Yeah, I, I agree. It's you're yeah. newlywed and so are you, Justin. So I can tell you that <laughs> <laughs> the trust piece and the conflict piece go hand in hand. And 
10 years of marriage, I can tell you that. <laughs> but we'll have the, to do a whole nother podcast for that. Matt. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Well, actually, that leads right into my next question. So you talk about these leadership teams and the barrier to entry and the struggles that can develop with that. What can some leadership teams and companies do to prepare their team or communicate to their team when introducing a tool like EOS? In the EOS process that I work with, if I work with a company, what I always tell them is that we're going to have about three sessions together before we even talk about rollout, introducing to teams. You can let them know, hey, we're going to be working on this great system called EOS. But before we get into what all that looks like, three sessions where we build out their tools, their vision traction organizer, where they're going to get the leadership team aligned is really important. From there, I always say it's a great time to, and maybe one of those quarterly all hands state of the company to say, hey, we as a leadership team wanted to level up our game, take our company to the next level and hold ourselves more accountable as a leadership team. So we started using this methodology called EOS. There's a great book called What the Heck is EOS? I have all yep. my whole library handy, but- And that book is also available in Spanish. Yes. So for if you have teams that speak Spanish, this is a great book for people that are at the company because just a lot more high level about the practical nature of what EOS looks like as an employee versus a book like Traction. So encourage your teams to read What the Heck is EOS? There's a ton of resources online for folks to look at, learn about, and let them know over the course of the next coming quarters, we're going to be bringing in And I always think about it layer by layer. So once the executive leadership team has it down, what's your next level down? And start to do work with the mid-managers on scheduling their department meetings, their department scorecards, their department rocks, and get them comfortable. And you just take it step by step, rolling it down until the whole company is running on EOS, everyone's issue solving, everybody's got their department level 10s as appropriate, and you have this great, well-oiled machine that is just, it's fun. It's a lot more fun. It is. I think accountability gives you that trust element we were talking about because trust, I think, is built over time by doing what you say. So when you have a system of accountability for the leadership team, you start to create trust from the top to the bottom of the organization. Yeah. Now, tough question here, Greg. All right. In the landscape industry, we make money when our teams are on site and they're doing work for our clients. When we talk about the foremen and tradesmen of our industry who are installing, maintaining our landscapes, Mm -hmm. this is just, I'm just using landscape as a example here, but it could be any trade. How often do you pull those individuals out of the field to have some type of a level 10 conversation? And let's just talk like perfect scenario from an EOS implementer. What would you love to see? Right. So if they are on the executive leadership team, the anyone on the executive leadership team, I really do firmly believe once a week for 90 minutes. If they are below the executive leadership team or they're not a part of that and they're at a department level, this is where it becomes more art than science. So for some, it may make sense to meet weekly at a department level. It may be every two weeks. Maybe it's every night. Maybe it's for 90 minutes. Maybe it's for 60. Mm-hmm. This is part of where client by client I'm not here to make you work for EOS. I'm here to make EOS work for you. So we have to get into understanding what's going on. What does it look like to be on site, the timing, the structure, but there's this concept we call about keeping the circles connected, right? Imagine two circles in your business. If they're disconnected, there's friction. Departments aren't, don't know what the other one's doing. Everyone's feeling out of the loop. They're siloed, but if they're on top of each other, Everyone's in each other's business. No work's getting done. It's just complete redoubling of effort. So this is about what's the right cadence to keep the circles connected enough so that everyone knows what's going on, but everyone can perform and excel in the roles in the seats that they're in. So my answer to your question is, it depends. Yeah. And that's why I kind of preface that with this is a difficult question. We struggle with it at K&D and our system right now is pretty much how you said it. We meet as a leadership team every week for 90 minutes relentlessly, like every Wednesday at at 8.30 a.m. on the Mm -hmm. dot, like by the minute, we're not a minute late. Otherwise, the meeting's going to get rated at (laughs) 8. We're pretty strict. And then the departmental meetings, 
we started it bi-weekly. We tried it monthly. We've decided every week is the best cadence, 60 minutes, get in, get out. But when you do that, Greg, I found these department meetings can get off track super quick mm-hmm. around an operational issue. So I think you really need to have a strong meeting operator in that seat to keep the team on board. Because when you have supervisors, production managers, people who deal with clients for 90% of their day mm-hmm. in a meeting, that's what they want to talk about. They want to talk about client issues. And maybe the issue isn't so much client. It's about how do we get the team out of the yard by 610 instead of 630. Yeah. So that's kind of how we do it. And then we try to bring our field teams in on a monthly basis for what would be a hybridized L10, where it's more of, I would say it's more information sharing of here's what's going on. Here's an update. And we try to have an open dialogue. But to be honest, when you have 30 to 40 field technicians in a room, no one wants to speak up. So it's really hard hard to get that feedback. We find that feedback's best found in in the one-to-one meetings. Yeah. Absolutely. You'll have to find what works. It's super common to experience that, especially with larger groups. But it's also why it's really important for the leadership team to have it down because then when the departments go to do it, if the leadership team doesn't know how to run an L10 effectively, yeah, it can get off track. It can get squirrely really, really, really fast. Really quick. So the person who's running it needs to, and I always recommend assigning roles, have somebody there whose job it is just to facilitate, make sure that we're on track, we're, you know, staying on topic, have another person who's there be the note taker, right? Maybe someone who's paying attention to, are we staying on top of open honest? There's different ways to do it, but, you know, find that right cadence. The other thing that's really critical is I see teams all the time when they start to feel stagnant in their level 10 meetings, their leadership meeting, it's usually for a couple of things. One, they stop putting issues on the list. If you don't have issues, that's an issue. So getting, realizing that, and I tell the clients this, this is the most important time you will spend all week, period. Not just meeting, but at all. Because the impact of 90 minutes with your, literally your right-hand people, your collective brain power to solve problems when done right is going to move your business way further than anything else you can do. And so treat it like it's the most important thing. Prepare, think, put issues on throughout the week. Think about what topics you want to get into. Take a clarity break during the week to give yourself space to put things into that meeting. Because if everybody shows up treating it that way, this meeting will transform a business. But if folks just show up, if you just show up to it saying, all right, what are we talking about today? The meeting starts to lose value every single time. I... That's so right. And to follow that up, how do you measure success by utilizing EOS? Because you're talking about a lot of the things that if you aren't doing, like you're not putting to-dos on the list or issues on the list, yeah. you'll start to fall apart. But how do you recognize and measure success when things are going well? Yeah, there's some objective and, and some subjective ways. The objective way is we actually have an organizational checkup. You can find it on EOS website. It's something that periodically I have my clients take and it measures strength in each of the six key components on a scale of zero to hundred percent. And the goal is 80. If you're at 80 or above, you are crushing it. Most companies operate about 20%, but they succeed in spite of themselves. So there's that measurement that you can use. The other one's about a little bit more more qualitative. It's how does it feel? Are you seeing your problems start to have resolution? Have you stopped seeing the same recurring themes? Has the energy changed in the office, in the culture? Are your meetings becoming more effective? Are folks doing more of what they say they're going to do? And lastly, are your results showing it? I mean, do you, have you started to actually see better performance across revenue, profitability, any of the things you're looking for? So there's a feel, but then there's also some ways we can measure it a little bit more objectively too. Yeah. And I think this show when it launches, I'm definitely going to make sure we include some links in here to the EOS checkup and a VTO. I mean, these are stuff you can also just go and find on the internet, right? These tools are available. Yeah. If you go to microsite with the website I, I provided to you, Justin, or anybody, you can download a whole bunch of free stuff and take a look, look at the tool. So all this, a lot of stuff is free. It's out there. 
you can look it up and it will start helping you immediately. Awesome. All right. So if you're listening to the show, there's going to be a link below, click on it. It'll take you to Greg's website. You can download those tools and actually fill them out as we're talking through some of this stuff. So you kind of can visually see what the VTO looks like and mm-hmm. an EOS checkup. We do that every year. It's a great tool. So Greg, I wanted to talk a little bit. You and I, the way we met was through Paul and, and I asked Paul if we could talk about him on the show. He said, absolutely, as he always would, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of explore this idea of having an EOS implementer while also having an executive coach. And you and I are playing these two roles for Paul, you being the EOS implementer, myself being the executive coach. And I had a very similar recipe when I was scaling. And I actually, I still do. I have multiple coaches at KD. And I thought it was just to steal a term from Gino, it's kind of like rocket fuel. <laughs> so, I mean, what's your take on this? This is, this is a little new. We, you and I have been talking about this idea and how we could help Paul, but what can we share with our listeners around this idea of having a facilitator while also having an executive coach? Yeah, absolutely. An implementer like myself, our job is to help the leadership team learn, master these tools and get out of your way. There are going to be situations or a time and a place where individuals on the leadership team need additional support, want additional support, more one-on-one about their development, how they show up as a professional, or specifically around maybe the trade you're in. An implementer is industry agnostic. I work with industries, for-profits, non-profits, you name it, because these tools are industry agnostic. So my expertise is in the tools and their application. When it comes to trade-specific coaching, that's not my role. I would call somebody like you, Justin. I would call you in to help my clients who have more trade industry-specific needs. Or at the leadership level, someone says, hey, I really need some individual coaching about my behavior, the way I show up. I can give them general feedback, but that's not my role. And I try to sit back and say, really, I'm here to help you all learn the tools. I think about it. My objective is to work with the leadership team broadly. I can help them as it pertains to EOS, but when it comes to getting in, really doing the hands-on work one-on-one, I defer to partners like you to say, you can really help get in there more tactically, direct coaching one-on-one, and I'm here to really help them more broadly on the tools, specialist, generalist, number of ways to think about it. Yeah, I like that take. I think in my experience working with my coaches, I realized there's certain times where you need to get down into the weeds of how much are we going to increase our pricing this quarter, this year-end contract renewal season? How do we leverage Aspire through the site audit tool to get our clients more information on what their properties look like every month? So there's certain tactical things that need to be conversated with the visionary or integrator or potentially others. And then there's, like you're saying, there's the, hey, are we running strong L10 meetings? Or, hey, can you come in and help us operate this, facilitate, should I say, this quarterly planning session or Mm -hmm. annual planning session? I think for someone like Paul, too, who's in that, you know, mid, they're the, let's just say 40 to 50 employees really wanting to scale. They're in a super fast growing market of Sacramento and the sky's the limit for them. It's almost like you mentioned earlier, How does he stay out of his team's way as the visionary and not get into the day-to-day, right? That's one of the big challenges I've seen with visionaries. Yeah. It's a lot of the times what I'm doing with the leadership team is helping them to let go and recognize that if you create the right structure and have the right clarity, and then you have the right people in the right seats and you need both, magic can happen, but you can't get in their way. And a lot of times leaders, I mean, especially if this is this case, it could be a family business. It could be something that folks have really protected like it's their own. And all of a sudden, the thought of having to let go is terrifying, but it's also probably the thing that's going to help the business the most. Yeah. When you've been that person for 10 years and you've been the COO, CEO, CFO all in one, and now Greg comes along and says, you've got to let go of all this. That's a hard thing to swallow. What do you think, Maggie? Yeah, I was just going to say the key phrase there is you you said it kind of quietly is you can't get in their way, right? You hire the right people to do the job. If you're lucky, you hire people smarter than you. If you're smart, you hire people smarter than you, Mm -hmm. and then you don't get in their way. I agree. So I want to shoot real quick back to Maggie on this. Maggie, you sold Paul and myself on Aspire years ago. Now you are in a place where your team is growing. So Mm -hmm. Maggie, over the last two to three years. I know you've been with Aspire a lot longer, but 
how fast is your team growing from a sales standpoint? And how have you, I think sales is the hardest place to do this. Have you stayed out of your team's way, but continue to help their success? Yeah. So growth from a headcount standpoint, I mean, I started in the sales part of Aspire three years ago now. I started in 20, 2020, 2019, right before COVID. And I was our second salesperson. So there's two, maybe three wow. of us on the sales team. And now we just had our actually the majority of our sales team in the office last week. And there were 74 people there. Plus there were teams that were still at back at home, probably about 50 people home. So I think our whole sales organization now is 130, 140 people. And how have we grown? Um, so we've grown through great partners like Justin and Paul. I have to give them the credit. Like they bought into our vision. They run fantastic companies and they are the reason we are so successful. Internally, how we've been able to foster and maintain that growth is through circling all the way back to the beginning of this podcast is core values and culture. Gage Roberts, who is the other person who was in the beginning with me in the sales culture, and I have built our sales culture around just pure grit and work, hard work, determination, and putting our clients first. And Justin and I can give you the floor to speak a little bit about that, but we really do believe in the relationship we have with our clients and see ourselves as a partner helping their businesses grow. And every single person that we bring on to our sales team has to understand that that is the root of our vision and how I've been able to step back and grow my team individually of that sales organization, about 80 of our underneath my part of the organization. And it's because I've been able to empower and grow leaders who fit our sales culture and go back to our core values. The number one thing I say, and I know I've said it on this podcast before, fastest way for promotion at our company is to be an example of our core values. And the fastest way to the door is to not be. And I tell every single person that in their interview and on their first day, and it goes back to the root of our business and the founder of our company. Wow. That's powerful. I don't think I've heard that story I'm sure we've talked about it, but that's a really amazing, explosive growth. And it's one of the reasons I think we have such great conversations on here. So Greg, you get to see the inside of so many people's businesses from, like you said, the sidelines, from a perspective that almost no one else gets. As me and Maggie are talking through this and, and we're all having this conversation, what's going through your head as you look forward for some of your clients? I mean, do you see blue skies ahead? What are some maybe some tactics and some things that business owner or business leader listening to this show can take away from a perspective such as yours? Yeah. So I think there's a bit more optimism than there was. I mean, especially the last year, two years, there was a bit more uncertainty, whether it be recession or state of the world. So there's a little bit more optimism in terms of that I've seen with my clients about their businesses. They Many of them had to go through layoffs, rounds of layoffs. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I mean, that's always a tough period, but you have to make tough decisions. And coming out of it now, many are projecting growth coming into next year and the year beyond. So it's definitely more optimistic. What I would say, I mean, just as the things that my clients are thinking about and that I'm excited to be thinking about and planning with them is really helping to utilize these tools to identify not just how they want to, now that they've, especially when they've got EOS under their belt, it becomes less about the tools and how do we think about all the different parts of our business that we want to optimize. Incremental improvement, a great example with a client the other day that said, we want to get better on is that we want to look at all of our processes and understand the steps, the timing, the different touch points, and how do we make this move 25% faster for 25% less. And so it's a lot more fun getting into these conversations where they're really starting to inspect all the different things and the way they've done it and utilize some of the tools in EOS to help them do it. There's this great one called the getting what you want tool. And I see a lot of sales teams use it because it's pretty basic in terms of you want one new client a month. Okay. So then how many proposals do you have to submit to win one client? Okay. So we do two. And then how many clients you have to talk to do you, to get two proposals out. Great. How many discovery meetings do you have to get? And it, you can work backwards that way. But where I've seen some clients bring it to life 
is instead they go, what are all the steps in our process? Okay, here's our process mapped out by stage. How many minutes does each stage take? Why does that one take 10 minutes? Let's understand what's happening. There's a welder who they had, they did custom parts. They're going, they're making one part, put it in the cooling bin, take it back, finish it up, put it on the thing. Instead of just doing them in batch where they didn't have to do all these trips, they could cut down their cost by 20% and reduce the time it takes to make a lot of these parts by just batching it and realizing how common certain parts were made. So I love it because to me, this is the time of year where they're thinking about all that and really getting into the nitty gritty of their process. I would encourage any company thinking about planning in 2024 to remember, set smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound, get really specific, set goals that are in your control. What are you going to do? Don't set goals that rely completely on someone else's, oh, you know, I'm going to get this approved by the city. Well, good luck. You know, it depends when the city's going to approve it, right? And lastly, if anything, less is more. Like just yeah. get get really particular about what is important to you. And it's much better to tell people here are our two biggest priorities than it is to tell them here are 10. So fight as a leadership team to really get down to what matters to you and communicate what matters to your team often and repeatedly. Just you have to say something at least seven times for it to be heard the first time. So it's a yeah. long-winded way of saying this yeah. goal setting and, and getting into the weeds on process. I always tell my team, it's way more important to get better, really, really good and expert level at two things than it is to be mediocre, except mediocrity at 10 things. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think, Greg, one thing you mentioned is just the idea of that process improvement. And Elon Musk is is an example of this, he uses first principles a lot. And it's the idea that if someone can do it, we can do it. And if it can be done, then it can be done faster and more inexpensively. And that's how he got the Tesla car from costing him 150,000 per car down to like, I don't know, they must be doing them for 15 grand because they're selling them for like 28, 30 grand. Yeah, the threes, yeah. Right, and that process that he got down from 2018 or 17 in the last five years, I think we can all take a lesson from that and say, there are definitely opportunities in our business to go focus on And that goes back to what you said, smart goals that you have control of. Yeah, it's great to set revenue and sales targets, but what are the behaviors that you can actually control and act upon in your day-to-day life, in your day-to-day year that can help keep your company on on the right page and on the right road of of growth and success? Yeah. Your results are influenced by two things and two things only. The volume of what you're doing and how effective you are at it. And if you can figure out how do we either increase or modify the volume or get more effective at it, those two things are directly correlated to your results. So I tell teams, I'm like, if you don't know where to focus, go look at what you want, what's the stuff you're doing and how often you're doing it, and then how good are you at it? What do you want to tackle? Yeah. And pick and choose and work at it. Yeah. The other part is just accept the fact that you can never be great at something until you're first bad at it. Go be bad at stuff and get then <laughs> yeah. get better. Yeah. It's okay to fail. Yeah. Well, you've given us a lot of great nuggets. So I feel kind of selfish even asking you this question. But as we ask all of our guests on our, our podcast, we look for a trade secret. So something I would say you working with the trades, people mm-hmm. like Paul and Justin, what is something that you've learned in your time? that you can't read in a book or you haven't seen somewhere that you just learned organically through your your growth? Yes. Okay. So here's my trade secret. I knew you were going to ask me this question, so I'm ready. <laughs> in whatever way you're looking to use EOS or something like this, this is what I've learned to be true. Companies and leadership teams love the vision. They love thinking about who they are and where they're going and all that, but that's not what stops people. What do you call it when you see stuff, but nothing's happening? You're hallucinating, right? Vision without traction is hallucination. You're imagining your whole business, but you're not going anywhere. So where the tip that I'd give, the trade secret I have for anybody looking to do this, 
start with the traction, start with the stuff that actually gets you what you want. It's the stuff that isn't exciting. It's not sexy. It's things like, how do we hold ourselves accountable? How do we run effective team meetings? How are we using data to make decisions? And how are we prioritizing and staying on top of our most important goals? So the level 10, your rocks, your scorecard, and issue solving. If you start with those and practice those first, everything you envision for your business can come true. Vision comes after traction. Traction first, vision second. So that's my trade secret. Start with the stuff that isn't so exciting, but to get that in before you actually build out your vision, you'll find your vision is going to go much, much further than if you flip-flop it. And lastly, EOS is a system. Any one part of it can probably help incrementally, but it's designed to work together. So if, if you're looking at stuff like this and doing bits and pieces, just know the system really comes to life when you use the system as a whole. If you cherry pick, you know, you'll probably get some benefit, but I can really speak to it when you use it all. It's an awesome thing. That's great advice. And I think this entire show, you've shared a lot about actual steps to change, improve your business. So Greg, thanks so much for being on. Like I said earlier, folks, if you want to get a hold of Greg and, and you're looking at implementing EOS, I'd highly recommend giving him a call, at least just talking through some of your ideas. His contact info will be in the show notes. You can reach out to him then. And Greg, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. It's been my you. pleasure. Yeah, Thank you, Greg. My pleasure. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks, Justin. It's been awesome.